to the Family Movie Night podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. This is episode 52, and we are talking about the great film, Ron's Gone Wrong, available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and as always, I'm here with the hero of our podcast, Ron himself, the B-Bot that everyone has been waiting for. Tiki Tiki Taka all over the place. Donnie Dorsey, how you doing? Beep, 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 bloop, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hello, fans. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I was watching I was watching uh, Futurama last night, which is another great uh, comedy involving robots. And it's a horror movie episode. And Bender is looking on the wall and written in blood is 101000110. And they go, they go, well, what is... What does that say? And he goes, oh, nothing. It's gibberish. And then he looks in the mirror and it's backwards. He goes, zero, one, one, zero, one, 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 zero, zero, one. No. <laughs> and he runs away. <laughs> one of my favorite jokes ever. Just a good, just binary oh, coding joke. But it's very funny. <laughs> anyway. All right. And of course, the villain of our podcast, uh, uh, horrible tech conglomerates uh, themselves. Sawyer Hewlett. How are you feeling? Tim Cook himself. Good. I, I I prefer Mark Zuckerberg or now Elon Musk. You know, I like I like a good tech villain, you know, I think. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, Very good. We get a any good... of them, any of them are good villains, okay? Okay. All right. <laughs> I guess I, I don't know how to take that. So <laughs> Tim Cook is just lame, okay? That, that's okay. my only thing. Well, this like is Tim very Cook. much a Tim Cook uh parody right here in this yeah movie. it is it's it very is. much i mean he looks like tim, i mean this is very much apple joke. well but tim cook is a steve jobs parody in real life is the thing so i mean i mean how how deep do that's, you want to go that's a take this? right there all right so let's go ahead and uh before we get to talking more about uh our commentary on the apple corporation let's begin <laughs> by uh donnie dorsey tell him what we do on this podcast yeah, so on this podcast, we encourage every family and community Christian church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories, start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that will help you build stronger relationships. Yeah, and movie nights are a great opportunity to do that because movies are not just um, easy ways to share laughter and joy, fear and sadness in safe environments, but they also give us chances to talk about what matters most to us in ways that are meaningful and memorable uh, with your children. And uh, on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies you can watch on your monthly movie night, but give you some ideas of uh, meaningful conversations you can have with your kids during or after the movie. And as always, we don't want this podcast to be another one of those things that you feel guilty as a parent for not doing. Uh, we really want to make it easier for you and your kids to be together and to enjoy laughter and have these conversations that actually matter. And so uh, you don't need to feel like you're obligated to watch this movie. We do hope that you do, though, because we think this is a great movie to have a really important conversation about social media and technology with your kids. And in case you don't know what movie we're talking about, this is Ron's Gone Wrong from uh, 2021. Uh, it came out in October of last year. 
It is about Barney, a socially awkward schoolboy who receives a robot named Ron, a walking, talking, digitally connected device that's supposed to be his best friend out of the box. Barney is excited to finally have his own robot until his new toy starts to hilariously malfunction, drawing the attention of a shady executive who wants to protect his company's stock price at all costs. And uh, this movie is something my uh, my family went to go see when it was in theaters. But uh, Donnie Dorsey, was this the first time you had seen this movie? Yeah, this was the first time I'd seen it. I actually hadn't hadn't heard of it prior to uh, it being brought up for a conversation, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, it was definitely it definitely gave me some uh, vibes of. Uh, Mitchell's versus the machines. I thought the same thing. Even that little like bubble that the it's, bubble is the name of the Apple type corporation that exists. The bubble that the bubble corporation lives yeah. in looks very much like the um the Mitchell's versus the machines corporation thing. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. Similar dynamic between like the creator of the uh the robot in this and Olivia Coleman is the voice of the villain in uh in Mitchell's versus the machine and is the voice of the grandma in this movie. So Livia Coleman, just fighting robots left and right, man. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but yeah, this one's very funny. Uh, very heart, heartwarming, great performances all around. Sawyer Hewlett villain of our podcast. You are a robot on the inside anyway. Uh, so did this movie work for you? Did it compute? Yeah, I liked it. I, I, I just, um, I don't know if this is just like an, like a topic that I enjoy movies grappling with, but like between this and Mitchell's versus the machines, like we've got two great movies that talk about technology in a way that kids can understand. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, and this movie, I think like Mitchell's versus the machines is great. Cause it kind of feels um, action adventure with humor, obviously and stuff. This one definitely feels a lot funnier to me. Yeah, I think I think they're both pretty equal. I think Mitchell's versus the Machine probably sits higher for me. I, I think I it was a little so more emotional for me, but I don't know. I don't know where you guys I, sit. I, I would agree with that. I, I overall would say I like Mitchell's versus the Machines better. Um, but in terms of comedy, I mean, I I definitely laughed harder and more in this movie. I don't know, and I know um, it's been a while since we watched Mitchell's versus the Machines. I just watched it the uh, a little while ago with my kids. When they take the dad's face on Mitchell's versus the machine and they put it on that screaming chimpanzee or whatever is the ch screaming oh, given or funny. whatever, I don't think I've laughed quite as hard as when I saw that was pretty That's, darn good. That was pretty Donnie, good. Donnie, where do you sit on this in Mitchell's versus the machines? You're muted, You're Donnie. Muted. Donnie, the technology is taking over Donnie. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd say it's a cl it's close to Mitchell's Machines, but I definitely like um, I have to put Mitchell's versus the Machines ahead of this, primarily because I like the way they incorporated the family unit a lot a little bit more. Because I, I feel like this, like in Ron's Gone Wrong, they had the family there, but the family was kind of like a a sub character, like a like a minor character, as opposed to where like in Mitchell's versus the Machines, they were very much in like. In a part of everything i agree yeah i feel like mitchell versus the machines is a movie that is like explicitly about family this yes. one i feel like is less so concerned with having a conversation about family it's more concerned with other stuff that we're i totally talk about, agree it's more about friendship than yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly so zach galifianakis 
Azron Sawyer, Excellent. I know you already mentioned it off mic, but just, I mean. Oh, so funny. Yes. I, I love, like, from the moment that he was like, hello, Absalom, I I, I was like, oh, I'm going to like this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, he's, he's hilarious. And the animation they do on him, there are oh. several times where his eyes go from the top of his head to the bottom of his body, <laughs> and they look exactly like a butt. And I'm just going to say, for my kids, if you can make them say the word butt or laugh at butts, it's going to be a winner for them. And so this, <laughs> it was, it's pretty hilarious. The, and, and Ron's cute. They're cute little devices and yeah. uh, very, very entertaining. I will say, I think the, I like the robot design better and Ron's gone wrong than Mitchell's and the machines. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause honestly, it feels like something we would have like the, the robots in Ron's and Mitchell's versus machine feel. And I think intentionally so feel very much like, you know, these kind of automaton looking things. Yeah. This very yeah. much does look like, oh, I could see how we could go from, you know, oh, yeah. iPods to smartphones to tablets. It felt like to a this. giant Yamaguchi, like the little, yeah. one of those little the Tamagotchi. Like yeah. Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. <laughs> well, and it also felt like this is where my brain, <laughs> I tell you, uh, I instantly was like, oh, that looks like a real life R2D2. Like it looked yeah. like yeah. R2D2 was real. And uh, it was, yeah. So anyway, I think we all would recommend this movie's good. We didn't even talk about it. There's a really heartfelt moment right at the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. As you would expect in every kid's movie, there's a moment. Um, I don't think I cried either time watching this movie. I know I didn't this time, but I don't think I did in the theater. But it's pretty close. It, it, it tugs at the heartstrings, just doesn't quite resonate. Um, I would say one of the things, I love this movie. I think your kids will love it. It's definitely a, a family movie night movie. I think for me, um, the, early on in the movie, there's a feeling of throwing a lot of stuff at the wall like there's yeah. a feeling of you've got the stories about this kind of lonely nerdy kid but then he's also from like this immigrant family and it kind of feels like they want to kind of talk about what's it like to be from an immigrant family but then that's pretty quickly dropped like it's an yeah. element of the movie but like also not like it's an element like you know, because Coco kind of deals with it. There's a lot of movies that kind of deal with those yeah. similar themes. And I, I I, had trouble just as a viewer going, what am I supposed to be paying attention to? Yeah, I like, got that too yeah. because as soon as they – because like when she introduced very like specific cultural specific food items, I was like, oh, okay. Is this probably going to be incorporated in some way? Yes. And then yeah. it immediately was like – and now he's at school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was telling Donnie this while you were on the phone off when we weren't recording yet nathan my favorite part in the movie and it's kind of when the movie hooks me is there's a there's a scene where they go to this bubble store um where where barney takes ron there um and the, it's it's a great scene they're trying to escape the bubble store is the thing and it's funny and it's fun action and from then like if you if you make it to that part and you'll be in for the rest of the movie i think because it's yeah yeah, it's really, I, really fun from then on, you know, and I think there's a way in which people and I'm one of these people kind of almost tease a little bit of how perfectly crafted Pixar does everything like there's no fat on the on anything like on a Pixar movie. And sometimes that feels a little bit like a, a robot. It feels a little bit like carbon yeah. press. This movie made me go, mm, they should have gone to Pixar for a little bit like there should have yeah. been three rewrites because. I feel like that's the one thing that kept the emotion from hitting quite as hard yeah. was that there yeah. was not a clear through line of what am I supposed to be feeling? Um, 
But that is not to say, once again, I would highly recommend this movie. I think it's very funny. I do think it's emotional enough. I think your kids are going to enjoy it. And more importantly, I think it gives you a chance as a family to talk about what is our theme for this episode, which is to talk about how, how, how would God have us use technology? How would God have us use social media? Because believe it or not, Jesus never had to use a smartphone. Uh, he yep. never had to use social media. So it's not in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the amount of screen time your kid should have. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about uh, how should I handle the dangers and the all the different things that could happen with social media. And so we as a parent, we as, as, as families kind of have to navigate this with Jesus in mind because we want to do everything with Jesus at the center. And so we certainly, and I love this about Ron's Gone Wrong, is Ron's Gone Wrong is not a movie that is terrified of technology. You know, there are certain movies that are kind of like, uh, you'll see these movies where the kid is so reliant on technology and what he learns is like to put the smartphone down and go outside and never, never play with the, the phone again, you know? And the, the movie itself is kind of like, smartphones are scary, you know? And then there are other movies where the the other side of the thing is like, we should really just fully embrace and technology is a good in the world and we need to deal with that. Well, this movie, I think, does a good job of kind of saying, Hey, these parents are freaked out because one of my favorite scenes in the movie, the dad says, I don't want to get you this robot because you're going to be like every other kid who is on the playground obsessed with their technology. And he goes, I don't want you to be addicted to your and he pulls out his phone and he's just looking at his phone because we as parents get addicted to phones uh, as well. Um, and so I think it's a good conversation for us to have. And I think the best place for us to start is to talk about that technology by itself um, is not inherently evil or good, uh, right? There's no, there's nothing about technology that just by itself is inherently evil or good. At the same time, though, it doesn't seem to just be a neutral factor in our lives because what we do know is that the creators of smartphones, the creators of social media, uh, have openly said the phones are meant to be addicting. They have created these devices so that you will never want to put them down, um, which is why over and over again when they do studies where they talk to kids and they ask kids in elementary school and in teenagers, this may be hard to believe for your teenager, but the number one thing when they say, if you could change one thing about your parents, what would it be? And they say, I wish my parents would put their phone down more. Yeah. I wish my parents would put the phone down. Even your teenager says, I wish they would put the phone down and talk to me more. And I know the defensiveness because I feel defensive already. I'm the one who said it. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. I'm not on my phone all the time. It's these kids who are on their phone all the time. If my teenager wants me to put my phone down, they need to put their phone down. Yeah. But the phone by itself, right? The tablets by themselves, they are meant to be addicting. Donnie, you are a, a, a tech guru yourself. You work in the technology field. And I saw you shaking your head. I mean, has that been your experience that kind of the idea is let's try and create these things to be as addicting as possible? I mean, because I've worked in different areas, but I mean, like, I mean, like from websites and stuff like that, things are are geared to to make sure that it captures your attention, holds your attention. I mean, they use things as like marketing hooks and things like you see something and that's why like you can look at a website and it automatically scrolls on certain things. The, the intention is to keep you there and to hold you there. I mean, like any app that you've encountered in the last year or two years, anything that has a viral attachment to it has that, has that mentality because the idea is I want to encourage people to stay on this application or stay on this website 
or stay on this device. And that's why, you know, things like, that's why you do notifications. Notifications are simply there to give serotonin boost. And they're also there to make sure that you're constantly reminded that, hey, you should come back to the device or come back to this application, you know? And so you have to create levels of like boundaries, you know, to protect your, your peace. Like, um, and some people were like, well, I get peace from looking at my phone. It's like, well, a lot of times it steals more of your peace than it, ta- than it gives you. Yeah. So. Well, and I think to that point, you know, even small things like we know that the light that comes off of your phone because of the way it simulates sunlight, if you are using it right before you go to bed, that's why you're getting as bad sleep as you are because we know that it 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 does this. Now, we're not saying any of this to say, once again, you shouldn't have a smartphone. All nope. three of us have smartphones. Right? Not at all. Uh, I also didn't m- mention uh, at the beginning of this, and I failed to, Heidi was not able to join us here. I know Heidi has a smartphone because all of us communicate <laughs> via yeah. our smartphone. So we are not saying that technology is an ungodly thing that you need to run away from. This is not calling you back to be Amish and not at all, not to, at all. to turn away. But we are also saying there are uh, there are dangers, especially to and not just the kind of dangers we think of of like a, some predator out there is going to find me through my smartphone. There are dangers just through even safe use of the phone for our exactly. for our kids and a lot of this comes from research that was done uh by a um researcher a sociology professor named jean twinge uh she wrote a book called iGen why today's super connected kids are growing up less rebellious more tolerant less happy and completely unprepared for adulthood and what she's talking about is what is often referred to as gen z now a lot of people don't know this uh, because I, I am the millennial pastor on staff, so people say this to me all the time. These millennials, and when they're talking about millennials, they're talking about people in their 20s. You're not yeah. talking about millennials. Uh, yeah. Millennials are everyone that was born from 1980 to 1995, right? So we're coming up on people in their the, – the youngest millennials are uh, in their late 20s. Uh, mm-hmm. The generation right after them, Sawyer and I were having this conversation just yesterday about where, where Sawyer fits. Sawyer is a Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z is people. He's the oldest of the Gen Z. That is people born from 1995 to 2011. Now, you can find all different stats of online because people break generations at different places. But most people agree somewhere between 1993 to 1997 is the breaking point for Gen Z. Um, and the reason why is because they break it based on how old you were when the iPhone came out. The iPhone came out in the summer of 2007. And the reason why is because for millennials, maybe people don't know this, millennials are people who are coming of age at the time of the turn of the century. People are coming at the time, or not the century, the millennium, I should say. It's both the century and the millennium. But that's why we're called the millennials. People who are in, who were older elementary school uh, to high school at 2000. So late 90s, early 2000s, people are at that place. That was the chief defining thing for us. The internet's really coming out. We remember there not being wide use of the internet. We also grew up with that. Well, Gen Z are people who, th- from the time they were born, their parents had cell phones. Mm-hmm. And by the time that they were in their teenage years, upper elementary to teenage years, everybody had a smartphone. Everyone's starting to get a smartphone because it's starting to come out. And this book is about the way that smartphones in particular have changed 
the wiring of people's brains and particularly people under the age of 18 where your brain is most malleable. Now, I don't want to get into too much, but here's one of the things that they mentioned in this, which is, I'm just going to read this quote from the book. Uh, They say, once again, the split between screen and non-screen activities is unmistakable, is what she says. Teens who spend more time on screens are more likely to be depressed and those who spend more time on non-screen activities are less likely to be depressed. Eighth graders who are heavy users of social media increase their risk of depression by 27%, while those who play sports, go to religious services, or even do homework instead cut their risk significantly. The teens who are the most active on social media are also those who are most in danger of developing depression, a mental health issue that devastates millions of U.S. teens each year. The book goes into a lot of details on how this happens, but basically what they said is the younger you are, if you kind of put it on a graph, the younger you are when you start and the higher screen activity you are that you have at that age, you're in, you're, uh, your uh, rates of depression, anxiety, loneliness, isolation, and then eventually, for many, suicidal ideation, they go through the roof the younger you are and the more time you have on screens. Now, once again, this is not for us to say, if you let your kids have any screen time, that you're a bad parent. Full disclosure, my kids have, uh, they don't have their own tablets, but we have tablets, and they have set aside time every day that they're allowed to be on those tablets. So this is not me saying uh, that, it is evil to let your kids there tends to be a hysteria around screen time use in our world and i don't think either approach is very helpful what we want to have the conversation about is how do we help our kids learn to really use technology in a way that benefits their life because what is now clear we do have enough research smartphones and tablets are not even the same as watching tv you know, when I was a kid, everyone was like, if you watch TV, your brain's going to rot. And it turns out by the research, that's not necessarily the case. Families who sit to watch a family movie night, it is not the same, does not do the same thing to your brain as a kid who sits on their phone the entire time and never looks up from it. So uh, let's just start the conversation there of of why we think this is important. Uh, Donnie, you were talking a good bit earlier about this. Do you want to jump in here on why you think it's important as a dad? I mean... Like, first of all, kind of like coming from the idea of like as a dad, but also as a person that is in technology, I find that um, I'm much more, much more of a person that is more likely to put a lot of provisions for my kids and not because I don't want them to be like encouraged or like liking technology, but I don't want them to become so inundated with it that it becomes the only thing they have like that they don't, that they don't nurture their creativity, that they don't nurture their, you know, their communication skills, because I don't want them to be like, so going, Hey, let's look at this screen and create things here rather than create moments with my family or create moments with my siblings. Because I think as a parent, like there's that balance, you know, because I think, for any parent that's probably watching this is that you probably have those moments where you feel guilty, where you're like, Hey, I got stuff I got to do. I'm going to let my kids watch some TV or I'm going to let them watch a movie or I'm going to give them the tablet. There's nothing wrong with that. What, what I'm saying or what I'm proposing, I guess, in an idea is that make sure there are limits, 
like the limits have to be there. Like it's not, and it's not just for kids. It's for us as adults as well, because, um, the overexposure of it sometimes is that when you get on a tablet, your tablet is literally being guided by whatever you choose. Yeah. And so when that happens, you can become more, more excited to interact with technology than you are to interact with someone else because the, the technology does exactly what you tell it to do. Whereas the person, when you're like talking to your sibling and you're like, Hey, I want to play this game. And you're like, I don't want to play a game. It's stupid. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, but that you need that. You need that yes. relationship. You need to build that communication, that dialogue, that ability to relate and connect to others because we are relational people. We are relational beings. Like there's a reason why God uses people to get things done and he doesn't send big old telegrams and such. It's like because people make change, not you know, the things that the, the people make. Well, and I think that's great, Donnie. I think, so that's the number one thing, if you forget anything else we say, limits and boundaries around it and age-appropriate limits and boundaries. So honestly, when your kids are below five, very little to none. They're just, there's not really much of a need for them to be on a smartphone at two years old. Like there's just keeping it very limited from that age of like five to 10 to 11 you know, very limited boundaries, you know, mom and dad get to see what's on the phone. Um, mom and dad get to see what's on the smart, you know, on the tablet, those kind of things we get to know. And we tell you it, it, you, it doesn't live in your room. The smartphone has its own room in the house and it's got its own little charger where it gets to eat while we eat family meals. Like, you know, all of those kind of things, like it gets its own place. And then in the teenage years, as you're trying to give them more autonomy and independence, maybe they do at some point have their own smartphone and their own tablet, but I would still once again have limits on it, boundaries on it. I've already told my kids when you have a smartphone, um, I have this on my phone. So this is not something I'm telling them that I don't uh, because of my addiction to pornography in the past. I have screenshot accountability on my phone, my phone. And there's a, there's an app I have on it. It takes screenshots of my phone every minute. And it, and it puts it in the cloud and my wife has access to that. Other people have it so that everything's accountable. Everyone knows. And I told my kids, when you have a smartphone, all of our tablets have that on it. All of the phones that they use in the house. Once again, it's not theirs. They're mine currently. They all have it and they know anything you do, I get to see. There will never be a time you can do something I don't see. When you're a teenager, that's going to be the same way as long as I'm paying for it. But it may also be if you've got a teenager and you can't really put limits on how much they use it, right? Because you don't know where they are and what they're doing. It may be when we have family meals, there are no there are no tablets at the table. Yep. There are no phones at the table. Um, because what becomes clear in this book, and I don't want to keep going over it, but the research continues to state the amount of face-to-face interactions that you have are the one thing that compete with the screen time. So it's not just putting the phone away. It is then having face-to-face interactions because what has happened for so many of these kids is it's a both and. One, their screen time has increased, but because their screen time has increased, their level of social face-to-face interactions with other people have also decreased. All their interactions with their friends are over text. All the things they're doing are not face-to-face. They're not just hanging out for long periods of time with other friends. And with your young kids, you're their primary relationship. And so I think, to Donnie's point, a boundary you place is when we watch TV together, 
the phones aren't there. When we watch movies together, the phones aren't there. When we're when we're playing games, the phones go away. When we're sitting around the house, the phones aren't there. You can have a phone. There's a, there can be a time for it, and you as a family can kind of figure out when to do the phone, when to set the boundaries. But I think we're all agreeing the boundaries are important. Donnie, you look like you want to say something, so I don't know if you want to ask something. No, I mean, I think, I mean, I think you kind of brought it home as far as what I was trying to get across is like, it's, it's so important because I think as, as parents, we, we hold the responsibility of helping them because at those ages, they don't have the level of self-control built in. So they have to have us as safeguards. And so, and it's not, and don't look at it as, oh, I'm keeping my kid from being caught up with technology. Think it as you're accelerating your kid's ability to be a great social interactor with other people and be able to build meaningful relationships. Yeah. Well, in those things, those re those relationships, those are the things that create the mental muscle that ward off things like depression and anxiety and isolation and loneliness. And they allow them to kind of build those relationships that become these networks that actually help them not just in their social life, but in their personal life mm -hmm. and eventually in their devotion to Jesus that they would have a mental toughness to be able to, to live through it. And I think that's what this movie does really good. Sorry, you were talking earlier about how this movie does a really good job of talking about how Ron, even though he's a piece of technology, the way that he malfunctions actually causes Barney, the kind of socially isolated kid, to interact in the world. You want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, and I think like this movie is obviously not afraid of technology and that's kind of why I like it because I feel like, you know, something that my parents did a good job of is protecting me from myself. Um, now, like, I want to be clear. Like, I made plenty of mistakes with technology and stuff like that. I looked at porn on my on my first iPod and stuff like that, okay? It's gonna happen to a certain extent, okay? But like, I think what we can do is, especially as parents, what you can do and what my parents did a good job of is creating guardrails where like social interaction is never gonna be a handicap for me. Even though like I'm a quiet person, I'm a more introverted person. I disagree. I, Your social interaction is terrible. I know, Nathan Nathan can attest to just how how awkward I am. And it's all because of my, my first iPod, no. That's um, right. But uh, but no, I mean, I, I just think this movie and like a conversation that you should have with your kids is like why you're establishing those guardrails is the thing. Because like when I was a kid, my parents put up those guardrails and it was the best thing they ever did. They never explained to me why. And it was infuriating. Um, and so I just think like the biggest thing you can do is talk about it with your kids. My parents love basically just like creating guardrails and then be like, just trust us. OK. And they were right to put those guardrails there. But there's a level of conversation that I think you should engage in with your with your child that will enable them to understand what you're doing. Um, those conversations are always going to be good to have is the thing. So I think that's huge. And I think that's really the place I want to kind of land. All of this is the solution to this problem, as we said, is not to rid your home of technology. It's to become wise with technology. There's a great book out there called The Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch. And he talks a lot about this and a lot of really good practical solutions. And his whole point is it's not to be tech free 
It's to be tech wise. And the definition of foolish is a person who is careless. And so many of us are so tech careless with technology. Everywhere we go, we see people on phones. We ourselves are on our phones all the time. And we're not aware of how hurried and lonely and anxious we are at all times. And the goal is, how do I become wise about this? And the thing he talks about a lot, and so I just want to hit again, as Donnie, uh, I said to him earlier, you're as smart as the book. Donnie hasn't read these books, but he said so much stuff that's in the book. Uh, Both of these books really talk a lot about the importance of technology makes everything easier, but in a lot of ways, the easier it is, we have become less mentally strong people. So like he takes, for example, in the thing, Teaching your kid to play an instrument, you know, we can say, hey, play me some music. And before what that would mean is I've actually got to take the skill and the discipline and the mental activity to learn how to play an instrument. But now if I tell you to play a music, every person picks up their phone, goes to Spotify, plays a song, takes no skill, takes no effort. And then this is what happens when it takes a while and it starts to buffer. I lose my freaking mind. How is this going? I have no patience for this because I don't know. But when it took me five years to learn to play the piano and I'm still not great, it's going to take me 10 years to get proficient at it. Man, that teaches me patience. Right now, uh, my kids are watching TV in the other room, but we only have one TV in our home. They don't have TVs in their room. So they know they're going to have to share the TV. One of my daughters is in the room with me right now while I'm filming this. Faith, are you a little bored right now? Faith is very bored, she just said. Uh, But that's okay, because you know what happens in boredom? You become creative. You know what happens in boredom? You start to talk to other people. You know what happens in boredom? You start to have interactions. We are so scared of being bored. We are so scared of things being tough. And phones make it in such a way that I never have to be bored and nothing ever has to be hard for me. But sometimes life is boring, and sometimes life is hard. And we want to be able to train and prepare our kids for that. So Nothing we've said here I think is too revolutionary, but we just want to remind you, setting boundaries on your kids, on their technology use, is huge. When your kids start to get social media, letting them know, I have the passwords, and you don't get to just use social media whenever you want to. There are limits to that, and I get to know what's happening, not because I don't trust you, but because you're young, and I want to help train you that the things people say to you on here and the way people interact with you on here, I want to be able to help walk you through that because I want you to be wise. Not a tech-free family, a tech-wise family. Because ultimately, I want you to be a person who can find a way to not become the user of the technology, but to use technology to love other people. Uh, And so that's what we want. We want to help our kids learn to love Jesus and his way of life. And I think Ron's gone wrong. We'll give you a great chance for you to talk to your kids about why you're making some of the decisions that you are. Why why are we choosing to maybe stop letting our tablets just roam free and our tablets are going to have a home and they're going to live in that home? And why we're going to put limits and we're going to use Ron's Gone Wrong to talk about that. But regardless, we hope you guys come back next week when we talk about how to love Jesus and his way of life even more. We'll see you then.